We're all on a journey to reach our full potential and purpose. And no matter where you are on your path, know that we walk together and not alone. At the Mission Leadership Institute, we believe the path to leadership is self-discovery. To support you, we're bringing the most advanced thinkers in the country to help unpack all that we carry with us on this leadership journey. Welcome to the Providence Walk With Me podcast. I'm your host, Martin Schreiber, with the Mission Leadership Institute. Today, I am joined by Chris Lowney. He is a best-selling author who also serves as the board chair of Common Spirit Health, which is one of the largest healthcare systems in the United States. We're talking about the importance of self-awareness and how in this ever-changing landscape of healthcare, we can provide a mission that means not just the most to those who are at the center, but also those who are at the margins. Okay, let's get started by welcoming Chris. Well, I wanna welcome everyone to this moment um, to be with Chris Lowney. Uh, Chris, it is such a great honor for us to have time to speak with you and to share within some of the wisdom and, and some of the ways that you continue to motivate the world around leadership. And I wanna just begin with, uh, Chris, could you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, as we start today? Uh, sure, Martin. The first thing I'd say though is, I, I don't think I'm really motivating the world. <laughs> if, I can, <laughs> if I can motivate myself in the morning, that would be a pretty good start. Um, so I'll tell you the, uh, the short version of my life. And then as we're chatting, pieces of that we may backtrack over and so on. Uh, grew up in Queens, New York, uh, was a Jesuit seminarian for a few years, joined the Jesuits right after high school. A lot of listeners would know that uh, the Jesuits are uh, a Catholic religious order of, of priests. So at, at first I thought I was gonna be a, um, a priest and then like a lot of people in life discovered my that was not uh, my vocation. And after leaving the Jesuits, I did what everybody does right after you uh, leave the seminary. I went to work in investment banking at, at J.P. Morgan, and I worked there for, and that transition, of course, is a longer story, but for the purpose of a short bio, I, I uh, was lucky enough to work at Morgan for almost two decades um, in Asia, in Europe, in the United States. When I left Morgan, um, I thought it'd be interesting to reflect a bit on leadership and what leadership looks like and what good leadership means. Uh, so I've written a handful of things about leadership. I think we're going to talk about that a bit. Um, and I try to have another um, avocation or another ministry or another activity going on uh, in addition to writing and giving talks. Uh, at the moment, I'm on the board and vice chair of the board of Common Spirit Health, which folks at uh, Providence may have heard of, you're, were your friendly neighbors here in the <laughs> West and other parts of the country. It's great, Chris, and, and this is about a neighborly uh, moment as well, uh, even though we're on both sides of the country. And I do have to say, uh, when we were prepping for this, one of our uh, people called and said, hey, I just received uh, the news feed of your newest book, Chris, that, that came up. And that's exciting because in six books, uh, I'm sure there's been a trajectory and in, in different ways that you've you've thought about uh, leadership. And if we could just start right there, uh, one of the best-selling books is Heroic Leadership. 
And a number of us are trying to recognize how to be leaders in this time. But could you talk a little bit about what it means uh, to be a heroic leader or what is heroic leadership? Thanks for, for asking that. So what I tried to do in that book is tell stories that extract what does good leadership look like? What, what are the values that characterize somebody who's leading well? And I um, built the book around four values. First, that leaders are self-aware. In other words, they have some deep sense of who they are and what they stand for, their strengths and weaknesses, how should we treat other people, outlook on the world, all that basket of things that, that I'd call self-awareness. And that's really the foundation of the other three ideas in the book. One of them, uh, to be ingenious. That's usually the easiest for people to get their heads around. The world is changing fast, and only people who have the internal capacity, freedom to keep changing, to adapt, to be flexible, uh, to be ingenious and creative. Only people who have that capacity are going to lead well. Uh, third, the idea of love. When I say love, I don't mean like walking around hugging people, but, um, you know, in the, in the more uh, classical root sense of the word, you know, love has something to do with um, understanding each person as dignified and trying to recognize and tap each person's potential and treating them in such a way that, that honors their dignity as people. And, uh, and finally, heroism. And um, heroism, I don't mean in the sense of saving somebody in a battlefield, but rather in the very quotidian, everyday sense of um, uh, you know, caring for goals that are bigger than oneself, bigger than one's own ego, and really being ambitious and trying to pursue excellence toward that those goals. And I won't belabor the this long answer anymore, except let me make one one other point, which is this, that a lot of times when people hear the word leader or leadership, they immediately think of like president, chief executive, so on. And that is exactly what I'm not talking about. I'm trying to reclaim this sense, and we could talk about this if you want, uh, in which each person might understand themselves as having a leadership opportunity and responsibility. That's, I think, the beautiful entry as to why we're speaking today, is that inside of us, we have something that is leader, and how that is drawn out, um, the method of that is really important. And how do people feel comfortable to be a leader, to speak up, to have a voice? Uh, is is our whole framework. Have you seen, uh, I'm sure since you've written this uh, book and, and even now in this pandemic, how people are coming out of themselves to become leaders? Um, is there a way that uh, you have seen that people really can generate a confidence to, to witness to what it is they feel they're inside uh, being a leader? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I guess I'd say, I mean, you're leading well or poorly all the time, whether you, whether you think so or not, or whether you want to or not, you know? Um, and I think, you know, one of the problems we have is we tend to walk around with a lot of broken stereotypes about what leadership is or should be. So when you use that word, people's default is often to think about super influential, super famous, top of the organizational heap. Leadership has something to do with you know, arrogantly claiming status, position, authority, all this kind of stuff. And, you know, when I um, 
speak with groups and work with groups, I, I like to say, okay, let's push away completely all of that stereotypical nonsense that we all carry around and try to go right to very simple dictionary definitions of that word, of that idea. You know, one of the dictionary definitions would always be um, to point out a way and to influence others toward it. You know, and everybody's doing those words all the time. You know, you're a parent, you're managing a small group on a uh, nursing floor, or you're taking care of one person, you know, as a nurse's aide, um, or whatever is your role, you're pointing out a way. Like, in other words, implicitly, by the way we're operating, we're championing certain values. You know, like we either use people or we support them. We either cheat or we don't. We either believe in working hard and uh, uh, seizing excellence or we don't, you know, so we're kind of all implicitly pointing out this is the way I think human beings ought to operate in life or in an institution like Providence, like Comspeer, uh, and we're having some influence. You know, some of us have a lot of institutional influence. You know, I'm managing it, for example, you know, if I'm managing a thousand people, uh, but you know, even if I'm managing nobody, I'm having influence, you know, on people who watch me work, I interact with and, and so on. So, and yeah, you know, you, you, the way you teed up the question had to do with the time we're living through. And, and I think we've kind of been in a moment where people appreciated, you know, holy cow. I mean, there's all kinds of problems. We're going to have to play it by ear, make it up as we go along, do a lot of adapting, throw out the old playbooks. And so a lot of people have, have just naturally stepped in and said, okay, you know, I have to do what I have to do, you know, so really uh, showed leadership very prominently in, in whatever their role has happened to be. It has been a positive then in terms of the uh, situation of the world and the pandemic where people have flourished in who they were uh, for good or for bad, just as you say, right? Oh, we, I mean, people are yeah, leading have, good and bad all the time, all the time. Without and, a doubt. And, and how does one step back just as you began with the heroic leadership of self-awareness and just say, well, how am I doing? Uh, what are some those methods of that self-awareness? of how I am when I enter a room, how am I in the presence of stress? How am I uh, when I'm trying to multitask? These are, this is life, right? And it's happening. Yeah. Uh, we have told a lot of people life happens. Uh, are there ways that you could could help us understand that piece of self-awareness, uh, that piece yeah. that's really the beginning piece? Okay, well, how to be good in the moment? I mean, if somebody has any good ideas for me, I'd like to, <laughs> I'd like to learn how to do that. I mean, I do have a, I do have a suggestion, not an in the moment suggestion, but at least an in the day suggestion. And let me tee it up this way. You know, I think, um, especially the last decade, let's say, as social media, online media technology has gotten so much more omnipresent, sophisticated, advanced. Um, and I say this at some peril to folks who, a lot of whom are working up there in, in the tech wonderlands around <laughs> Seattle. But anyway, I'll say it, you know, um, we kind of, a lot of us were sort of present all day, 100% present to every crazy, random, idiotic, miscellaneous distraction that crosses our radar. You know, like we're floating along on this river of 
text, social media feed, post, phone call, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, so we're present to all that stuff. And on the other hand, the only thing we're not really very present to are the things that ultimately are most important. You know, like what's going on inside me in some deep way or why am I doing what I'm doing with my life or what, what is the purpose of being on earth anyway, these kinds of things. And so, you know, a one idea that I, I raised to help cope with that a bit, which is drawn from uh, one piece of my background that I mentioned, you know, I was a Jesuit seminarian, is this idea of taking what I might call a mental pit stop once or twice a day. So, for example, let's let's say after lunch, I'm going to take two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, um, and during that time, no phone, no social media, you know, no looking at television, no nothing, you know, just me. And I'm going to try to, uh, you know, one way to say, one way to think about what to do during that time could be, okay, let me let me catalog why am I grateful with today so far, you know, we spend our whole life thinking about problems, to-do lists, so on, but just for a, a few seconds, why am I grateful, you know? And then second, um, you know, why kind of bring, raise my horizon a bit? Not like the next thing on my to-do list, not like who I have to call next, but why I'm doing this job anyway, or what's the mission of our organization, you know? And, and I say, I believe it, but just recall it. And then third, mentally go back through the last few hours and try to extract some little lesson that might help us in the next few hours. Um, you know, so Martin, like in terms of being very self-aware in the moment, trying to be good in the moment, I wish I knew how to do that, you know, but I guess the little practice I'm suggesting is at least putting it this way, you know, instead of every three months, I slap myself in the head and say, holy cow, what was going, you know, what have I been doing at least every few hours instead i have this little moment to recalibrate see what's going on inside me outside me how am i reacting uh making some course corrections uh you know within the same day to kind of help keep me on track it's beautiful because it presents an opportunity for me to own the moment almost for me to uh, remove from the chaos, even if that is beautiful. Um, but then to find in some regard, just how it is that this is where I need to be, be here now. And that might be the greatest activity of our day <laughs> is to try and remove so that I can pay attention to what is stirring, pay attention to where I need to go. Um, and, and time just seems, Chris, to be one of the greatest, uh, commodities of, of life to be sacred with. And you're giving us this sense of take a time and let that time be yours and turn it off. But then listen to something that is quite extraordinary, which is your own voice. I want to thank Chris for joining us and to everyone for listening. Watch for part two of our conversation in a future episode. To learn more about Chris and find his books, please go to chrislowney.com and you can find the Providence Mission Leadership Institute on LinkedIn. For all of you out there, remember that it is the light that comes through the wound that matters the most to becoming the whole self.